right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fearcast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD and anxiety and anxiety spectrum disorders and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and I'm uh, a licensed therapist specializing in OCD and anxiety disorders. Uh, thank you all so much for joining me. Um, for those of you who are new, um, so this is a question and answer based podcast. If you have a question about OCD or anxiety or how to get over it or how to work with it or what treatment would look like or something specific, really specific to something that you're struggling with or a family member you know is struggling with, you can go to fearcastpodcast.com and you can so, uh, click on the submit a question link and you can send that question to me. I will read it, consider it, and likely put it up on a future episode. Uh, you can also send me an audio question, which um, I, I tend to favor those and put those at the top of the list uh, to be recorded. You can go over to uh, Fearcast Podcast at Instagram. Find me over there and you can send me a direct message. Click on the microphone in the direct message uh, box and it'll just record. It records in one minute segments so you can kind of uh, uh, record your question, re-record the next segment and I'll just edit them all together. But either way, those are the two best ways to ask questions and uh, I'll put them up on a future episode. For this episode, I had Michelle Massey on to talk about varying levels of care. So sometimes in treatment, you'll hear about something called higher levels of care or an intensive outpatient program or partial hospitalization program or residential program. And, you know, they can be really confusing as to what all of that means and how it applies to you. How are are, are you ready for one? Do you need one? Do you not need one? How do you get out of one once you're in one? So, I, I had uh, I had Michelle on to go over all these questions. So um, uh, why don't we just jump into that? Let me tell you a little bit about Michelle, and then I'll jump into my interview with her. So Michelle Massey is a licensed marriage and family therapist and has been treating OCD for 15 plus years. Ms. Massey has a private practice in Los Angeles, where she specializes in CBT to treat OCD, OC spectrum disorders, and other anxiety disorders in children, teens, and adults. Previously, Ms. Massey was the Associate Clinical Director at the UCLA OCD Intensive Treatment Program. She also worked in the UCLA Childhood OCD, Anxiety, and Tick Disorders Program, as well as the UCLA Adult Anxiety Research Program. Without further ado, here is my interview with Michelle Massey. All right, Michelle Massey, thank you so much for joining us for the FearCast today. How are you today? I'm good. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for uh, inviting me here. Absolutely. Well, we have had this conversation to try to get this conversation afloat <laughs> for a long time. So I'm glad we could finally be impulsive enough to go and do this. So, yes. Oh, boy. Well, so we are going to, you are here today to help talk about different levels of care, higher levels of care. I think a lot of the, they're, they're, once you start getting into therapy land, you start talking with uh, you know a potential client, you'll hear things like, maybe this person needs a higher level of care. And that can be confusing. You hear terms like residential and intensive outpatient and um, you know weekly treatment or you know partial hospitalizations. These can all be very, very confusing terms. So I was glad to have you on to talk about what all these terms mean um, 
and and also you know when, when would they be called for and how how would one need to or should move between these so um, so with all that said uh, go go just to answer all Great, the questions thank you um, <laughs> So yeah, I, I totally get this question all the time. And it's so funny because I will also get people who will call me just sort of like you, I'm sure you've experienced this where someone will call and say, I'm looking for a psychologist. And I'm like, why a psychologist, right? Like they had this idea, I have to have somebody with a PhD, right. um, as opposed to like an MFT or LCSW. I get the same thing with, um, you know, I need an IOP. Right. Where, where are you getting that language from? Why do you think you need an IOP or I need an intensive treatment? Tell me more, right? Um, right. I'm sure you get that as well. Right. And, and, so, for, and for the noobs yeah. out there, IOP is Intensive Outpatient Program. Or it takes yeah. outpatient or Intensive Outpatient, outpatient. Program. Um, it, yeah, I usually say outpatient program. I think the P is not part of the outpatient, but it's part of the program. IOPP. Yeah, right. Doesn't matter. When, when What's we, up with OPP, right? <laughs> that's ex- that's exactly right. I don't know why we're not saying it like that. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, we I, I get that question all the time. People say my psychiatrist suggests that I need an IOP. Right. Right. Um, so the way I break it down for people, and and we also hear like I need to be hospitalized, or I need you know, or even we'll have clinicians who aren't so familiar and looking for like I need a hospitalized program for OCD. So I like to back up and say like in the United States at least I don't know I don't know the numbers across the world, but in the United States, um, they're only last I checked there were five. There might only be four now, but. I'll talk about the three big ones that I'm familiar with. There's three residential major programs, I think four, maybe five Mm -hmm. residential programs that treat OCD. And what that means is somebody is going to go away. I would say, oh, I know at least four, maybe five. I'm going to keep saying that. (laughs) Um, It'll be between three and five. Right. Anywhere. No, there's definitely four because I just remember the fourth one. Um, Okay. So it's somewhere between four and five. Okay. Um, there are, for at least for adults, um, also kids, there's some as well. But for a residential program, a person is going to go away, I typically say 90 days. Now, they'll, they'll be told when they call anywhere from 30 to 90 days, but really expect at least a 90-day program. Mm-hmm. Some programs will extend beyond that. And you're going to go there and you're going to live there. And it's going to be anywhere from a, like dorm style to like maybe a house kind of style thing but you're most likely going to share a room with people and there's going to be you know 10 20 people there at a time kind of thing um for kids or adolescents like mountain valley is a great example of one is more like a school-based program um but it's also a residential they treat ocd right so you're going to go away for that um there are some that take insurance and there are some that are private pay but when you're thinking about a residential program what you're thinking of is you or your child can't get out of bed can't leave the house can't get to a program right um i always tell people we want to start with the least invasive treatment plan possible so we start about thinking about you know just outpatient program, which is like somebody coming to see you or me once a week for 50 minutes, right? Um, But if, you know, if that's not going to work, then we start working our way up. But I'm going to start sort of at the top and go down, even though that's not how I do treatment. Right. Um, I was was going to say, because what what, what we're talking about here so far with the residential and the the, the live-in programs, this is the highest level of care that if they, they... I don't want to say graduate to it. They they would they would someone would someone would be likely going through some of these lower tier lower levels of care, right. and this would be a 
program that would be for the most severe cases. Correct. Okay. And oftentimes what they'll say is like you've basically failed all other treatment, like uh, modal- not modalities, but treatment like arenas, right? Mm-hmm. Is like you can't do once a week. It's not enough. Once a week outpatient is not enough. And even like an IOP and I'll get to all of those things. Mm-hmm. But if you are really severe or your child's really severe, you're going to end up at this residential place. Um, like I said, it's between typically like 30 and 90 days that you're going to be there. There's individual groups, there are individual programs, group programs, um, you're living there. And this is even good. I sent clients to residential, even if they're not necessarily as severe, but they're needing um, to do treatment away from the house for some reason or away from the family for some reason. Um, because either they're stuck in a rut being around the family mm-hmm. or there's family system stuff going on that needs to be broken, right? So sometimes it's not necessarily as severe, but it's that displacement we need we need to get out of the house right um and so that's really good um when we're thinking about residential in a in an insurance-based idea right you have to be willing to be on medication because insurance is unlikely to allow you to be there without medication um because obviously if your ocd is that severe you're going to need medication um and it's also going to want to warrant the fact that you need to be in that program right now, obviously, if you're going to a program that doesn't accept insurance, that's a whole nother mm-hmm. ball game, and, and that's kind of determined by your assessment and whether that program feels like they're the best fit for you, okay? Step down from that, um, and a lot of times when somebody goes to a residential program, they will actually step down to a lower level of care before coming to outpatient. Some people will just go directly to outpatient. Some people either within that residential program or be sent to another program will go to a PHP or a partial hospitalization program and um, or an IOP, an, in, um, an intensive outpatient program. And the biggest difference between an IOP and a PHP is just simply the number of hours per day and sometimes the number of days per week, mm-hmm. right? So a PHP is typically five days a week and it's kind of like actually insurance terms because insurance... Um, qualifies it as a specific number of hours you're there per day. And I think it's like five or six at least. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they are longer, sometimes they're a little bit shorter, but it typically is like a certain number of like groups or sort of credits kind of hours that you're, you're there for the week. Um, Some go on weekends, some go just during the week, et cetera. Whereas an IOP is anywhere from typically three to five days a week. And it's typically like, two to to four hours a day. Mm -hmm. So a little bit shorter. There may be some overlap. You may be there five days a week. Um, I worked at the UCLA program for 12 years. We had, ours was a five day a week program for Mm -hmm. four hours a day, right? Um, Other programs are, you know, where they'll step you down where you're like only there three days a week or only there like two hours for five days a week or something like that. Each program kind of handles it differently. Um, you'll also hear, uh, and, and there's a lot of the same things where you'll see in IOP, PHP, residential, you'll see a lot of the same kind of like, um, uh, uh, what's the word I want? Like pieces to the program, right? You'll have an uh, individual therapist that you'll meet with. Um, and again, every program's different. UCLA, we saw our individual patients five um, every single day. They were there five days a week. Some programs, you'll only see your individual therapist one time a week, sometimes twice. Everyone is structured a little bit differently. They will have um, 
which McCullough, they will have, what was I thinking about? Um, Oh, groups, they'll have time for exposure. So they all have something kind of similar. That's very structured. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you'll have a, um, a like different structure per depending on where you're going, right? Like UCLA does it different than Rogers. Rogers does it different than McLean, right? They all have none of them are more right or more or or wrong it's just kind of how they work it. You will get the same type of treatment across the board from the different programs. Um, let's see for then, then you'll probably another level of treatment is outpatient programs, right? Or outpatient individual therapy, excuse me, like going to see you or coming to see me, something like that. Mm-hmm. And that can also be sort of like some people will call me and want an intensive program within my practice. Right. Right. And all that looks like with me is coming to see me maybe two or three times a week, or they might see me for a longer chunk of time. Maybe Mm -hmm. we'll do like, you know, two hours per day um, that we meet. And that's, you know, somebody who wants the flexibility um, or, you know, can't travel or whatever, or they're just somebody who's already seeing one of us and they just feel like they need a little bit more therapy for a short period of time and don't want to stop treatment with us and then sort of adjust you know, kind of go back and forth, right? A little bit right? more flexible with things. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I, I, um, I generally call that more of an yeah. accelerated program. It's not right. It's not intensive. It's not right. weekly treatment. It's accelerated. Right. I love that term. Um, and, and of course, you'll get, um, you know, there's clinics, you know, that I'm familiar with around here. And I use the term clinic loosely. It's not like a Rogers or UCLA sort of hospital-based clinic. Mm-hmm. But it's like, um, you know, colleagues of mine who, who run sort of a you know, clinic, they've got multiple therapists that work there and you might go, they have sort of individualized intensive programs, right? Where you might work with, um, you know, multiple therapists per day. So it's sort of set up like an IOP, but you might be the only patient doing the IOP at the time, as opposed to where like Rogers or, or UCLA, it's a program where like everybody's sort of moving through the day at the same time in the same way, doing the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, for some people that works, um, a lot of the IOP and PHP programs have long wait lists, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because there are so few of them. Right. So sometimes that works better. Um, sometimes that works better for kids because, you know, they want to be going after school um, or in the evenings, that kind of thing. So there's some more flexibility. And then we've got the, of course, just seeing a therapist once a week for 50 minutes, right? And doing, you know, your sort of weekly exposures and check-ins and things like that. Mm -hmm. Right. And then maybe even a step down from that, perhaps it's a step down or a lateral step. And we might talk about Mm -hmm. group therapy. Right, right. Right. And, I mean, or, or, a, or an addendum to, right? Some, I have a lot of clients sure. who will do group in addition to, you know, outpatient therapy. Right, right. And, you know, and, and for group, it's, you know, it depends on the group that you're going to be with. There can be some that are a bit more structured than others, some that are just more goals group that are, that are going to be focused on, mm-hmm. you know, individually assigned um, or personally assigned tasks. And, you know, the group encourages them to go out and do their thing, then come back and report yeah. back to the group on what is it they did. And they can range in or between, what, four to 12 people? Who knows how many they, they yeah. can really be? I mean, I think 
Grayson, sometimes I've heard from patients that maybe there were like up to 20 people in the room in his goals group. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Um, but, the, you know, he offers a free goals group, right? So I think oftentimes when you're doing a more structured thing, I found a good number for a group is anywhere from six to eight because you have enough time, um, you know, that runs for like, I would say 90 minutes because that's, you know, you have enough time for every person to get time to speak, um, to focus on each person. And it's not too little that it gets this awkward, like, you know, back and forth, right? Um, Or, you know, a lot of times people have to miss whether they're sick or, you know, LA traffic Mm pre-COVID days, etc. And so, you know, if you only have four people in the group and two people are out sick, you know, a two-person group is not as good, um, in my opinion, as at least having, you know, ideally, I said six or eight, four you know, works as well. But I found dialogue is better. You get more motivation, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think in my experience, running groups, six to eight is kind of the magic number. Eight, past eight, too much. Six is my magic number. If there could be six in every group, that would be a perfect thing for me. Anyways, so we've got a whole range of different types of treatment Mm, you're right. It is. It, it, it's not true of modalities. It's kind of treatment structures of, right, of the way right. of the way it can go. Right, all the way up from you know, somewhat and and maybe and, and severity. Severity is one thing, but also mm-hmm. the intensive focus is another thing. Right. Yeah. The question that I I also get from clients calling and asking about you know we we offer an IOP as well in kind of a similar mm-hmm. sort of fashion that you're talking about from a from a a program that is typically a outpatient, you know, weekly treatment. We uh, us doing an intensive versus doing a more clinic-based, uh, hospital-based IOP, mm-hmm. PHP, etc. Is how often is someone going to see their individual therapist? You'll hear people talk about different groups are going to say, or different programs will be more group-based or be more individual-based. Some will have mm-hmm. different activities throughout. Um, I just. I just had a client come back from a, um, a a residential program, not focused specifically on OCD, and mm-hmm. they were doing things like art therapy and equine therapy and doing all sorts of other out, mm-hmm. outings, right? That yep. weren't really yep. OCD focused. Yep. So, I mean, that maybe that's something to tag on is some of these other programs that say they will treat OCD, but aren't some yeah. of those like you know four or five programs that we talk about that that yep. specifically do it. But I guess. Could you speak a little bit to some of the different structures between more group focused or more individual focused and maybe some yeah. pros and cons with those? Yeah. You know, I, I'm biased because I think we did it well at UCLA when I was there, um, where where you saw your therapist every single day. I think there was some aspect of that. Now, I know I'm pretty sure we're the only program that that ran like that. I think at least like hospital based program, Mm -hmm. I think the majority you see your individual therapist once or twice a week. And I know from the patient perspective, a lot of patients have sort of complained about feeling like they didn't really know what was going on or they felt sort of untethered um, because they weren't seeing somebody. But the reality is, is we have to take our acceptance, you know, our act tools in here and 
that's just what it is, right? And accept it. Um, and that's that's the layout of the program, right? You'll still have people who are doing exposures with you. You'll still have exposures you're doing on your own, right? Like, I think there is some benefit to those programs where you're forced to do a lot on your own and you have to self-motivate, um, and right? And so that's a really big thing to be able to do because look, the reality is at some point, you're not going to be a patient for life, right? right. Ideally, you know, I tell my clients a lot of times on the first time I meet them is my job is to teach you so many coping skills and tools and all that stuff that I'm going to put myself out of business. You're I've, going to know every, sorry, I'm sure we all do, right? I've, I've said my job every, is to put myself out of a job. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You're going to know so many ways of like, you know, even if your subtype of OCD changes, if you know the basis of exposure and response prevention, mm-hmm. right, then you're going to know what to do in that with whatever obsession you're having. Because OCD um, is OCD. It's not like it's it, right? brand new because it's this the new subtype that us in the OCD exactly. community have given this arbitrary <laughs> name to that will right. inevitably change again. It's, right. it's all the same stuff. Anyhow, go, go ahead. 100%. So, you know, so it's one of those things that like at some point you're going to discharge, whether you're discharging from residential. I mean, look, if you're discharging from residential, you're going to step down to something, whether it's IOP, PHP, or seeing someone like Kevin and myself in private practice, right? Because you can't go from a, you know, like 24-7 program to nothing. Like, that's just not going to work, right? And and, and I wanted to add on, if I could yeah. just jump in on that. It's, you you will step down, but not because it's, it's, it's protocol. I suppose it is protocol, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's a good idea after leaving yeah. an intense program like that to have individual treatment on a less frequent basis so that you keep having that connection to to the process and progress that you've been making. Well, it's like going from like summer vacation or any kind of vacation to going back to school full-time or going back to work full-time. It's a culture shock, right? Like it's that all of a sudden, right? Except we're doing it sort of backwards. It's like being, you know, I used to tell clients at at IOP that you're basically taking a part-time job. You're having 20 hours a week. That's how we did at UCLA, 20 Mm -hmm. hours a week of treatment. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you have zero or 50 minutes right like like that's like we're chopping that into this you know minuscule amount right so and and the reality is is that we want to make sure we're setting up that support for you when you discharge so that you know we know ocd is a chronic disorder Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that it's going to interfere with your day-to-day functioning for the rest of your life, right? Like it, but it's back there and it can be triggered at any point. And so when you have the skills, if you're constantly practicing the skills, right, then you're much more likely to kind of be on top of it before it sort of snowballs should it get triggered. Yeah. Solidifying those lifestyle, lifestyle changes that you're going to need to make. It's a different perspective on how to approach yourself, your thoughts, the world around you, the, the, intensive or residential program is going to really get you going into that lifestyle change. But you're kind of in this microcosm of thinking in that way there. And then you're just left to your own devices. And when you go back home without consistent connection, you're going to see all the same triggers and the same people and things. And if you just go right back to your old routines, not thinking that you need to have that connection um, and continued aftercare, you're probably going to fall back into the same old habits and traps. 
Yeah, exactly. I want to go back a second because I realized I pointed out like why you might end up at residential. I didn't really explain well why you might end up at IOP. Obviously, okay. if you're residential and then you're stepping down. But if you are sort of in, I have clients I've seen who've been in outpatient with me and we just realized their OCD is severe enough that they need more than just 50 minutes once or twice a week, right? They need a little bit more because what I would always say to my patients is, there's something to be said, you know, clients would come in on Monday after the weekend, right? And I'd be like, how'd you do on your homework? And they'd hold their head low and be like, I didn't do it, right? Because what would happen is Friday would come around and they'd be like, I'm so exhausted from the week. I worked really hard this week. I earned a break, right? Mm -hmm. And Saturday, you're like, oh, I don't want to ruin my Saturday or I'm exhausted or I don't feel like doing it right now, right? And all of a sudden, Sunday night, they'd be like, uh oh no i like i didn't do right and so monday they'd come in you know like sheepish sheepishly right saying to me i didn't do it right tuesday morning right much more on game for homework because we had just done a bunch of stuff monday it was easy to go home and do it knowing they were going to be back on tuesday right so in some instances having that practice every single day with the accountability right mm -hmm. because it's sort of like you know, if someone's stuck on something, I may say, okay, I want you to practice this every day at home. And, and in outpatient therapy, when someone comes in to see me, we may not even get to exposure. And I know, I, I can't believe I'm saying this live, right? Is we may not even get to exposure during session because there's so much that happens in a week mm -hmm. and only 50 minutes to talk about it, right? Um, but even if we get to exposure in session, then there's a whole week between when I'm going to see them again. And that means that they have to be practicing, right? So IOP might be good if like someone's really struggling to practice in between session mm -hmm. or we feel like they need the added practice, right? Because like just doing it, like they're really struggling to like get through it on their own or motivate on their own. Um, but having someone with them, um, even if, you know, I have a lot of patients who have... Um, uh, uh, compulsions or obsessions around taking medication mm -hmm. and so sometimes going to an IOP might help because then there's somebody they can take the medication with every single day now mm -hmm. obviously I'm going to start in my private practice with trying to have accountability check-ins every single day um, either by text or a phone call to say okay now's the time to take your medication or you let me know that you've taken it but if that's not going to work right that might be a good person who would be benefit um from iop mm -hmm. so that they can have that practice and get into that routine uh, and then you know come back and step down so it's you know some people might feel like they need that more wraparound program or they might benefit from having groups and individual therapy mm -hmm. right they might benefit from being around other individuals who have ocd if they don't have anybody that they know has ocd and, um, and, and social um uh, accountability right right uh there are also some programs you talked about like some that don't necessarily treat ocd or maybe treat ocd and right so they may also have like equine therapy or um some trauma-based therapy or they might do groups on dbt which i don't specialize in mm -hmm. right so they might be getting other skills and tools that i can't offer them in mm -hmm. outpatient so that might be a time somebody would go to an iop or php program mm-hmm um, and then in terms of like coming from the community and going up as opposed to going from residential down, 
uh, the difference between IOP and PHP, some programs only run IOP, like UCLA, you know, is only an IOP, whereas at, um, in LA, at least, I can only speak for LA clinics because I know them the best. Yeah. Rogers, for example, starts as a PHP. Mm-hmm. So it's just what they determine is how they're going to run their clinic. Um, one is not necessarily better than the other. It's just how they set things up, what they require. Um, and then they'll they'll um, step people down from an, a PHP to an IOP, whereas UCLA is just an IOP, right? Mm-hmm. The other thing you'll see about structure in different programs is length of time that you're going to stay. Right. UCLA was very specific. We had a six-week program. Patients were there. It's 30 days, Monday through Friday. So it's six weeks, and you're there four hours a day. There's no flexibility to that. Right. Yeah. Maybe a tiny bit, but no, really no flexibility. Yeah, that. that's how it is. <laughs> right. right? Um, whereas a lot of other programs, you're sort of there indefinitely, right? Mm-hmm. Where they'll say like, you know, usually we'll do about 30 or 60 days, but it sort of depends on how you're doing. And of course, I'm not even in discuss insurance and, you know, whether or not they're accepting you to stay for that long. Right. But, you know, they may decide that um, you could benefit for another couple of weeks in treatment or they may step you down. So you're going two days a week. And so then it's longer than those 30 days, Mm -hmm. right? So every program is going to do it a little bit differently. There's not one that's more right than the other. It's sort of what works for you, your family, et cetera. Right. Right. And, and to a certain degree that it's, that's, that's part of that conversation that the individual, the client, the person who's seeking treatment is going to have with their provider. Um, You know, it's, there's, Again, I think there there is a discussion that needs to happen about what you're wanting to get, what is clinically reasonable, and what's clinically called for, right? Mm-hmm. A lot right. of times when I'm working with someone and they're calling and they're saying, I really want an IOP, and they're saying, I really want something that UCLA provides. It's going to be four hours a day mm-hmm. for six weeks or something. And a lot of, like my, my initial training was in a program that was five days a week for three weeks, and it was like mm-hmm. eight hours a day for like individually. Um, right. I think we know this person. Um, yeah. But the, the um, oftentimes when they say, I need an IOP, what they're really needing is, what they're often needing is just weekly treatment because sometimes mm-hmm. you'll get a referral from a psychiatrist who doesn't see a lot of OCD and they're yeah. going to say, this is the most severe case of OCD I've ever seen in my life. This person needs an IOP. <laughs> and what they're sometimes yeah. saying is, I don't see a lot of OCD and this person has OCD. Yeah. So they yeah. need as a specialist. Yeah. And I also think, and you probably get this as as well too, is that because I've worked in an IOP before, because I've worked with a lot of very severe OCD mm-hmm. cases, I sometimes will take on a more severe case that might actually need an IOP in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or if they were with another therapist who didn't know, who hadn't specialized for as long or didn't have as much training or experience, right? Um, where I'm not necessarily going to shy away from the severity just because it's severe, right? Where I may feel like, okay, I can handle this. Um, now, of course, I I know when it's like, oh, this person, I, I will tell you, I have a patient who just came back from residential. I have no problem sending patients to residential or IOP if that's what they need. Mm-hmm. I've had a handful of my clients go, um, whether it was to UCLA when I was working there, or I've sent people to Rogers mm-hmm. in LA here. Right. Um, I've sent people, you know, across the country for residential, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever is needed. But sometimes I know I will take on a more severe case that somebody else might be like, ooh, that person needs an IOP. 
Mm-hmm. And that's just sort of comfort level. I've been doing this for, I hate to date myself, like 19 years. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel, you know, a little bit more comfortable taking on some of those cases. Right, right. And again, it's because you are a specialist and you've, mm-hmm. you, this is what you do. I think there's that right. difference between a therapist who you're going to find on psych today who's going to say, yeah, I treat OCD because I took a CBT class in, in grad school. Right, right. Um, whereas, you know, you, this is, this is all you do, right? This is, and yep. similarly, this is all I do. This is the world that we right. focus in. Right. I, I, I had a quick question to, to kind of shift back to the, the differences between these, some of these different higher level of care programs. So some of them are going to be, again, we talked about more group-based yeah. and they're going to be more individually based, right? Again, the IOP that I was part of, it was all individual, right? And, well, there was, yep. there was one group they met w- once a week, but um, it was going to be all individual. Are there, from your perspective, are there any real advantages for the individual who's looking into these programs, you know, a program that's going to be one-on-one based versus group based? Pros and cons to either one? Yeah. So it's funny because I don't know that there's really been a ton of research and I'm not a huge research person, so, Mm -hmm. but I don't think there's been a huge amount of research comparing and contrasting. I will tell you, um, when I was at UCLA, I participated in a research with Dr. Jamie Fusner, Mm -hmm. where we were doing, we were off. 20 days of treatment mm-hmm. it was 90 minutes and it was one-on-one so I was with a patient for 90 minutes five days a week but 20 days and the weirdest thing was our patients who and they were just as severe as my patients who were coming to IOP mm-hmm. at the time I was working I did both at the same time right so I could okay. really see patients doing the exact same treatment and I again I don't know how much of it was because of my training because I was taking what I typically do in four hours and doing it with somebody in an hour and a half mm-hmm. the results at the end of treatment even though it was 10 it was 10 days shorter and it was all one-on-one there was no group mm-hmm very identical. We were seeing 40 to 60% reduction in symptoms. Wow. So, and, and we would like talk about this in our, in our group yeah. meetings of like, I don't get it, right? Like the person is getting so much less treatment than they are in our typical IOP program. Mm-hmm. How is that possible? Mm-hmm. And again, the other clinician, it was just myself and one other clinician who were doing it, right? Um, it was two of us and we were, we had the knowledge of how, of like, you know everything from our groups and that other person didn't work at the IOP but they had trained there so they knew so we were bringing in all the group information as well as all the psycho ed and the exposure so I don't know whether it was just because they got one-on-one time or what it was um it just seemed to work right so we were seeing the same um I have a colleague who runs an IOP and in in their private practice and it's more of an IOP, but there's no group to it, right? Mm-hmm. The patient is there three days a week for three hours, and they see three different therapists during that hour, during those three hours that they're there, right? So they switch it up. So it'd be like if you and I and one other person were running a, an IOP, right? They'd see you for one hour, me for one hour, and another therapist for one hour. No group. And each of us would do exposure with that person. Yeah. Um, and it works, right? Um, so I don't know, like what the science is behind it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's just sort of, you have to figure out what is going to work for your personality, your schedule, um, your, what you're looking for. 
Right. And there, yeah. and there are a ton of different programs out there that are going to offer different sort of things. Some people yeah. really like the structure of it, right? There, you know, yeah. the, there's the UCLA, you know, having the UCLA name and having yeah. to go right. to the UCLA hospital to go and do this. Some people right. really going to thrive with that because it feels mm-hmm. comforting. It feels whatever. Right. Some people really thrive on the, you know, ha- be, being able to have the flexibility of it. We offer more of a modular mm-hmm. one where it's going to kind of, you know, the hours might move around. You might do some weekends. Yes. You might do some weekdays. And it's meeting yeah. someone where they're at because right. not everyone can commit to six weeks. Not everyone can take three months yeah. out of their life, right? Yeah. So they're going to have to f- fit that into their schedule. Um and so it's so I, I love that example of that research you were in. It's yeah. so in other words, more is not necessarily more. And there's no. something huge to the, the the buy-in and the willingness the individual has to yeah. treatment. There isn't Definitely. necessarily anything magical, and I'm probably gonna get some emails about this, maybe, <laughs> um, probably from therapists, but <laughs> there's not necessarily anything magical necessarily then about Doing a IOP with you or with me versus right. doing an IOP with another program, it may it, a lot of it may just be the buy-in and the trust that you're having with that individual, and the amount of work you the the individual going through treatment is yeah. going to put into the process. I think I've told a number to every client this right there, yeah. is you know there how however much work you're willing to put into this outside of the treatment and within the treatment is going to yeah. lead to greater results. A hundred percent. I'm not magical. No. (laughs) One one of my least favorite questions I get asked by a new client, prospective new client is, you know, like what's your... um, uh, Success rate? Like success rate. Thank you. I was like, get better, right? What's your success rate, right? Well, the problem is, is there's two people in the therapy room at least, right? And so no matter how good I'm at, I am at doing my job, right? Number one, I'm not the therapist for every patient. And I recognize that. Mm-hmm. But not no matter how good I am at doing my job, the patient has to be doing things between session. If you are not doing things between session, whether that's like specific exposures or living life behavioral activation stuff, mm-hmm. right, then you're not going to get the benefit from the treatment. And this is why it's also so important to see an OCD specialist. You had said, like, it doesn't matter who you do a treatment with. Agreed, except it should be with someone who treats OCD, right? Because I, I, I'll, I'll agree be, with that. I don't want to just yeah. say, just go to anybody. I knew, I knew that's what you meant. Yeah, but, yeah. Thank you um, making, sure, making sure your listeners don't hear it. Otherwise, but it's it's so important that, you know, somebody it has knowledge in treating OCD. There's yes. definitely different treatment yes. modalities that people do for OCD, but you want to make sure that they're knowledgeable in the OCD treatments so that um, we can address, you know, all the places where you're getting stuck if you're getting stuck in treatment. Right, right. And I think that's then where we're going back to the original point about, you know, the various levels of care, right? You know, if someone isn't, it doesn't may, may not have that motivation to do treatment on a weekly basis. Maybe they need a little bit more support and a little bit more yeah. handholding to go through and have the accountability of a therapist to be there with them, to guide them through that in order for them to start seeing that this process works and doing yeah. exposures, facing your fear works so that when you do it, you start to see, oh, it's this is kind of working for me. So that yeah. through that process, hopefully they are going to develop more of an more of an uh, internal motivation to do the work on their own, and then hopefully that's where they are going to see some progress and some success in the long run. 
Yep. And I say to clients, right, a ball in motion stays in motion. So sometimes what they need is that higher level of care or more frequent session times so right. that we can just get the ball rolling mm-hmm. so that when they're in, you know, once a week outpatient therapy, that they can con- continue that momentum of treatment, right, and practice, um, you know, so, Yeah. Well, I know that we're um, getting to the end of our time today, and I want to release you back to the wild here. But um, is there, if if um, is there anything else that you'd want to add to kind of, you know, for someone who's just about to step into this, or they've heard from their, you know, psychiatrist, <laughs> or their, you know, r- random, you know. I don't know, random therapist. I think right. you need Google to have search. A, a, a Google search, right. right. Dr. Google has said that you need an intensive outpatient program. What's yeah. some, what, what is one thing that you'd want them to hear or to know as they're starting to embark on this process? Really think about how the OCD is, and, and this actually can go for any diagnosis, right? Mm-hmm. How is it interfering in your day-to-day functioning, right? Mm-hmm. Are you pretty functional, but there's a little bit of stuff that's like, it takes you a little bit longer, or you're avoiding a little bit, or is it having an impactful interference in you, right? Um, I tell clients, if they can get to treatment, um, and it's impact, you know, OCD is impacting them a lot, but they can get themselves to treatment that start with IOP, right? Mm-hmm. If they can't get themselves to treatment, you know, I had a patient who just couldn't even get out of bed, like literally would go to the bathroom in bed because there, there were so many compulsions to get out of bed. That's a person who definitely needs residential, right? right. They're not getting themselves to IOP or PHP on a daily basis. Um, you know, I, I tell parents, if you need to drag your kid over your shoulder to get to treatment, mm-hmm. then probably an IOP or an, or an outpatient program is not the right place, right? Like they may need somebody else to do that for you. Um, if you are functioning in your day-to-day, you know, fairly well, but you're struggling in one area of life, consider maybe outpatient therapy first and talk with that outpatient therapist. Again, any therapist who specializes in OCD in an outpatient basis will be able to assess, do you need a higher level of care? Do Or do you even need just multiple days a week mm-hmm. of outpatient therapy, right? And they can assess whether that would be a good fit for you or you need something else. So start there. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, well, I'll uh, I'll let you get out of here, but I really appreciate your time and sharing your knowledge about this. Um, if um, if listeners have further questions about this, would you mind jumping back on at some point in the future to uh, get happy over to some of this stuff? Yeah, happy to. This is my passion, so I'm always happy to talk about it, and I could talk about it for hours on end. So <laughs> I love it. Fair enough. Well, awesome. Well, yep. uh, uh, Michelle Massey, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone, thank you so much for making it through that episode. Again, if you have a further question about higher levels of care, feel free to reach out to me at fearcastpodcast.com or fearcastpodcast over at Instagram. Um, And I'll be sure to have Michelle on to uh, uh, answer your question, help answer your question as best we possibly can. So again, if you have a question, feel free to reach out to me either at fearcastpodcast.com or at over at Instagram, and uh, I'll be sure to put those questions up on a future episode. So um, until next time, everybody, please remember that the FearCast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you need a little bit of help in your treatment or need a little bit of direction, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com and there's going to be the find help link. You can click there and there'll be some information that might point you in the right direction. So until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.